0: Jurassic fans, welcome to 60th, yeah, the 60th Wild Man episode of Jurassic Fans, a rather nerd podcast. And well, I'm Daniel, your host, and he's the man who created an elderly account, just to give us a 60-year-old plus listener, Matthew Listener.
1: Hello, yeah, boys know. and girls, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Daniel, good sir, how are, how are you today in this lovely, I'd say it is a lovely Sunday.
0: Wow, well, if you mean 18 degrees is lovely, yeah, pretty lovely. It
1: is. We I'm have burning.
0: sun I don't like the sun.
1: Oh. oh, yeah, I forgot you're a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Count okay. Dracula.
0: Palo boy. How's it going, man?
1: Oh,
2: I'm fine. And you guys. And yeah, today's it's a quite a good day outside, but here I'm, I'm inside my room working and some paleontological information so that's the paleontology life
0: yeah <laughs> that's I mean, it remember what dr grant said right there's a difference between an astronomer and uh an astronaut you are the astronomer yeah so
2: yeah inside my room because you know
1: i never see the sun yeah that's right an astronaut. <laughs> we're all vampires here
0: <laughs> yeah one yeah. day you achieve my turn of can all right so, <laughs> yep yeah. That's it. So, folks, uh, if you're following up with us, we're starting on page 60... What? What is it? Oh, 56 today. Man, 56. I, was, I was just about 56. to skip like 10 pages. So, yeah. Well, you're ready to recall then?
1: I, I know you're excited to go as fast as you can on this one, but 10 pages? Um, well, come on. Take come it on. easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I would miss a bit here. All right. Okay. You're ready, Matt? You're the one to kick that
1: off, huh? Let's do it. Oh, yeah, I forgot there's no queue. <laughs> <clears throat> Cut to: Internal tent, Hunter's camp, night. In the hunter's supply tent, a case of 12-year-old scotch sits open amid a crate after crate of weapons and ammunition. Peter Ludlow reaches in and pulls a bottle out. External jungle, night. In the jungle, Ludlow approaches a small clearing. Roland is bent over a small stake in the ground, chaining something to it. As Lutlow approaches and walks around him, he sees that he sees what protest. Roland looks up. Offering a little incentive. Oh! <laughs>
0: offering
1: a little incentive. <laughs> All right, hold on. Roland looks up.
0: Offering a little incentive.
1: Ludlow laughs and shakes his head. He takes a drink and offers Roland one. Roland accepts. Ludlow notices Roland's gun leaning against a tree. What
0: kind of a gun is that? My father 600, Neutroxpress, 1904. Primojibor gave it to him after he took down his last elephant. Eight 700-foot-pound strike force.
2: How close do you have to be?
0: Forty yards. Last, maybe. I assume two tie's lug the braincase to bring him down.
2: Why not just use a scope and a poison dart and snipe him from the hill?
1: Roland just looks at him.
0: Oh, Eliza Beam from the satellite?
1: Ludlow le- leans down close to the baby T Rex and examines it while it thrashes on its chain. Its mouth has been bound shut with a leather strap.
0: You really think that it will be droll, Perrin? I once saw a bow elephant die tied in a jib. All the jib had done was of the bow's calves. saw a carrying wounded pride four and a half miles all the way back to its den just to teach its cubs how to finish off a kill. Healing lessons? Heartwarming. X won't be any different. to come.
2: You're kidding yourself. And although T Rex cares about one thing, feeling its own belly. It acts when the people wish they could. That's why everyone fascinated vaccinated by it. If people had a chance to see one dinosaur on an only one,
1: 99% would. He stops, an idea on his face. Wait,
2: why not? Cerectes, Rolfindribitus. What? I hadn't planned on bringing carnivores back because of the liability risk, but I only thought of the It never appeared to me.
1: Close to the
2: animal. Your billion-dollar idea, my little...
1: Crick, the tyrannosaur, even with its jaws clamped shut, Lunges at Ludlow's face, head butting him right across the bridge of the nose. Ludlow staggers back, waiting in pain, clutching his bleeding face. Roland laughs. Ludlow, like an enraged child, snatches up Roland's guns and brings the butt down viciously on the T-Rex's leg. The bone breaks with a dry snap, and the animal howls in pain. Roland lunges and throws Ludlow to the ground but the damage is done.
0: What the hell do that for?
1: As his pain eases, Ludlow feels a bit foolish, but he attempts to cover.
2: Had to, to keep his tail for the trip. You've broken his leg. Well, I've got to transport 7,000 miles. Would you prefer to beat the leg of a crew member?
1: He gets up, brushes himself off, and heads back to the camp. Trying to savage his dignity, Roland watches, watches him go. Cut two. external edge of hunter's camp, night. At the edge of the hunter's camp, Nick, Sarah, and Malcolm scramble down a hillside and stop at the edge of the laser barriers. There are three beams, each about two feet apart, the tallest almost six feet off the ground. Nick reaches the, ed- the edge and crouches. Sarah, held by Malcolm, steps up onto his back and jumps over the top, landing with a crunch. Nick is next, given a boost by Malcolm, who is then left alone on the other side. He backs up a few steps, jogs right at the lasers, then springs off his good leg and does the Fosbury flop right over the top. He lands with a thud to the silent admiration of the other two. Further in the camp, the three of them creep along, hiding behind a stack of fuel barrels. They lean around the edge for a look. They're directly behind the roll-up vehicle. They move into the open, covering the ground between them and the jeeps. Reaching them, Nick hits the dirt and wriggles under the first one. Malcolm and Sarah start stand lookout. Under the jeep, Nick pulls the bolt cutter from his back pocket he squirms along until he finds the jeep's fuel line, and he snips it. He ducks out of the way, just as the stream of fuel begins to pour into the dirt. Malcolm and Sarah move slowly down the line, standing watch as Nick crawls out from the under of the first jeep, and proceeds to the second. They hear another snip, then keep moving to cover him as he moves to the third. From the distance, Malcolm hears a sound. A faint, high-pitched screeching. He turns and looks to that direction. External jungle clearing. Night. It's the baby T-Rex, still screaming. Up in a nearby tree, Roland and AJ have spread some broken branches crosswise to form a high hide of their own, about ten feet off the ground. They wait. Roland raises his binoculars. The light of the camp stills. All the way here. Spills all the way here. Illuminating some of the jungle. He scans it. Searching for any sign of movement. External hunters camp. Night. Back in the camp. Sarah, Malcolm and Nick have finished with all the vehicles. Except the by- badly battered one. Which is sparked some distance away. Undergoing repairs. The motor pool area is now a soggy lake of spilled gasoline. The sab- saboteurs walk casually across the camp, unnoticed in the drunken reverie. They pass several tents, the shadows of the partiers visible as they move inside, to face the caged animals. The car- carinthosaur that was tranquilized earlier stands there, dully, eyes heavy and glassy, still under defects. They pass a stegosaur, its row of fine bristling. And finally, they reach the largest cage, which houses a a triceratops the size of a pickup truck. Nick pulls out his trusty bolt cutters. He looks at them, a glint in his eye.
0: Hang on, we may encounter some turbulence.
1: Internal Hunter's Camp, night. In one of the hunter's tents, Peter Ludlow leans over the satellite recon pictures of the island. Planning in the next day's assault with Dieter and Dr. Burke, their paleontologist. There are small wooden dinosaur models scattered around the photos, indicating where certain species can be found. If you're really interested in infants, we'll have better look at the seaside, because the sands offer a cushioning surface where the egg clutches can... can... He trails off. A low rumbling sound can be heard outside. And the little wooden dinosaurs start shaking on the board. They look at each other. The rumbling gets louder. Outside, someone shouts. On the board, the little dinosaurs start hopping and bouncing from the vibrations. The shouts outside turn to screams. They turn and look at the back of the tent. And the triceratops bursts right through the canvas. External camp. Night. Hunters go flying as the tent-covered triceratops, its horns tearing through the canvas, rumbles across the camp. Men shout in alarm. The triceratops bellows in anger. In confusion, chaos reigns. In the crush of people running every which way, Malcolm and Sarah are swept off in the direction, in one direction, while Nick is buffeted in another way. They shout but cannot be heard over the fray. The Triceratops, blinded by the canvas, shreds, stomps right through the fire in the middle of the camp, and the tent bursts into flame. Now really upset, the animal panics and lashes out in all no directions, blasting through tents, demolishing and or setting ablaze anything that gets in its way. Its considerable hindquarters slam into a parked jeep, sending it rolling across the camp. The jeep flattens the largest tent and slams down on its side. Its broken gas line sprays gas over the ground. The gas hits one of the dozen of small blazes that Triceratops has left in its wake, and the flame shoots up the ribbon of gas. The jeep explodes. Out in the jungle, out in the jungle clearing, Roland and AJ, up in the tree, leap to their feet as a fireball rises up from the camp in the distance. What in God? Back in the camp, the rest of the newly freed animals now storm through the camp. The blue ray laser barriers bounce crazily and go out as the animals sending units are trampled underfoot by fleeting animals. At the ridge of camp, Nick, Nick takes advantage of the downed lasers to split part the border of the camp, and disappear into the jungle in one direction, while Malcolm and Sarah vanish in the other. The burning tent, which was the equipment tent, now detonates a series of smaller explosions. Dieter and several others are knocked to the ground by a series of concessive blasts. He drags himself up to all fours, chaired and bruised. A burning tire rolls slowly past him, spinning to a stop. At Roland's feet. Dieter looks up at him. Last time I leave you in charge. Out in the jungle, Nick breaks out into the jungle clearing. The same one where AJ and Roland had their blind. He sees the baby tyrannosaur chained to the stake.
0: Sick bastards.
1: He goes to the animal, which now bleeds in pain. Its broken leg hanging on an odd angle. With one strong tug, Nick pulls the stake out of the ground. Back in the camp, Roland surveys the destruction. The fire has spread and several tents are now tongues of flame flapping in the air. The animals are gone, are going, and their personnel are scattered and terrified. Peter Ludlow, breathless, face smeared with dirt and smoke, staggers up to Roland. What in Christ's
2: name is going on? Isn't it obvious?
1: He holds up the sniped padlock from one of the animals' cages.
0: We're not alone on this island.
1: Cut two. external jungle, night. Malcolm and Sarah race back up to the ridge trail where the green AAV is parked. Nick bursts around from the other side of the car. Nick, thank God we didn't know if it... Malcolm opens the rear door. Wait, don't... With a piercing shriek, the baby tyrannosaur, now in the back of the AAV, flings itself at the open doorway, jaws snapping just short of Malcolm's nose.
0: Holy moly!
1: He slams the door. Down into Hunter's Camp, Roland hears the commotion up on the ridge and looks up. Do we have anyone out there? Back up on the ridge, Malcolm is confronting Nick.
0: It has a broken leg. So do it a favor and put it out for its misery. No, get in the car before they hear us.
1: He runs around and leaps in the driver's seat. Sarah slips into the passenger seat, quickly, leaving Malcolm no choice but the rear. Cut to external jungle, night. The AAV slaps through the jungle foliage. From inside the car, we can hear the baby Tyrannosaur screaming in anger. Internal AAV, night. The baby ripes on the base seat next to Malcolm, who has flattened himself against the door, as far away from the animal as possible. Ian, close the window. It's going to wake every predator in the jungle. Malcolm leans over the enraged animal and cranks up its window. The Tyrannosaur slashes with one of its powerful hind legs, ripping the flesh on his forearm. He shouts in pain, Outside, the listening jungle whizzes by. External high-hide night. Up in the high-hide, Eddie, Dr. Judson, and Kelly are standing watch, scanning the jungle for any sign of their returning comrades. Judson yanks the night vision binoculars away from his face as he spots the AAV, pulling up to the base camp a couple hundred yards away. There they are. They all turn and look, but Eddie furrows his brow, watching the, them pull the wounded animal from the back seat.
2: What is that they have with them?
1: External camp, night. Sarah and Nick carry the screeching baby Tyrannosaur in their arms, headed for the trailer. Malcolm, holding his bleeding arm, isn't far behind. Internal trailer, night. Sarah and Nick bring the screaming infant to the metal dining table and hold it down. Malcolm is right behind them.
0: This is um, uh, exceedingly unwise.
1: Sarah turns away from a drawer of medical supplies, holding a small syringe. Her shirt is streaked with blood from the baby's injured leg. Too late to worry about that. Hold him together, Nick. Nick tightens his grip on the animal, and Sarah makes an injection to its thigh over its loudly-voiced objections.
0: Just do whatever you have to do and get it out of here as quickly as possible.
1: Sarah picks up a small ultrasound transducer and runs it over the animal's leg. A green and white skeletal image appears on the monitor next to the table.
2: Okay, there is the metatarsal, TVF fibula. Uh, uh, there is... It is...
1: See it? What's a fracture just above the hip? Phases. They peer closely at the monitor.
0: That little black line?
1: That
2: little black line means death for this infant. The fibula won't be health strength, so the Uncle John can provide when he stands on his hind feet. Baby won't be able to run and probably can't even walk. It'll be crippled, and a predator will pay it off before it gets more than a few old. Can you set up? Thinking, it was to be temporary, something that will break apart and fall off as an animal grows.
0: Think fast, Sarah.
1: The tyrannosaur, still in pain, shrieks again. External high hide, night. Through their binoculars, the rest of the group watches the trailer carefully. Even inside, the animal's creatures are clearly audible. Kelly is getting scared.
2: What are they doing? Why don't they hurry? Give me the radio.
1: From the trailer, the baby lets out a long, plaintive shriek. One by one, Eddie, Kelly, and Judson turn around and stare into the night jungle. Internal trailer. Night. Nick holds the animal while Sarah fits an aluminum foil cuff around its injured leg and paints it with a coating of red. Resign. Malcolm at the window stares out anxiously. The animal thrashes again.
0: Give it more morphine.
2: We'll kill you too much. We'll put some respiratory rest. And mama's done. Damn it. I need another additive. Something
1: pliable I can. Her eyes fall on Nick. She holds out her hand urgently. Spit. He spits his bubblegum into the palm of her hand. The baby rex cries out again. External high hide, night. From the swaying jungle, there is another answering roar. And this one's closer. In the high hide, the rest of the group stares, trembling. In the distance, a flock of birds shrieks and takes flight as the tops of some trees move. A whole section of forest suddenly coming alive, as if brushed by wind but it's not the wind. They hear more noises, thuds in the jungle. And then another section of trees trembles closer. Another flock of birds bursts out from the treetops and swarms past the high hide.
2: What is it?
1: Dr. Jetson puts an arm around Kelly, instinctively pulling her closer to him. Eddie whispers urgently into the walkie-talkie.
2: Sarah, come in.
0: It's moving fast.
1: Internal trailer night. There is a radio box mounted on the far wall of the trailer. The speaker buzzes urgently with Eddie's voice. Over speaker.
2: Sarah, Malcolm, can you see me? Can you hear me?
1: On the table, Sarah is frantically molding Nick's bubblegum into into place of, on the makeshift splint, but the baby racks. Regaining its strength is thrashing again.
2: Hold it down, Nick. I'm trying.
1: Over speaker from the radio. Is anybody there? Malcolm moves to answer the radio, but Sarah shouts to him.
2: Ian, get a bottle of maxillin and fill a syringe. Quick injection of an antibiotics and I can get it out of here.
1: For sinking the radio, Malcolm moves to the medicine drawer and comes up with what she wants. Working fast, he draws 20 cc's of the pink liquid. Overspeaker, still from the radio, now desperate.
2: Sarah, Ryan,
1: answer me! They ignore him as Sarah grabs the syringe and makes the inj- injection. Overspeaker. Whatever you brought into the trailer, get it out now! External high hide night. Eddie has given up on on whispering as he clutches the radio desperately.
2: We estimate two alarmed adults headed in your direction. I repeat.
1: Internal trailer night. Nick, Sarah, and Malcolm spin around at hearing that terrible piece of information.
0: Oh Christ!
1: He bolts over to the wall speaker and hits the button.
0: Let me talk to Kelly. Is she?
1: A deafening roar, sound from just outside the trailer, followed immediately by a crashing sound. They whirl and look to the window, just in time to see the AAV trembling by, rolling on its side. There is another roar, and the baby on the table roars in response. Outside the window, the head of a full-grown Tyrannosaur Rex lowers and peers inside. Malcolm, Sarah, and Nick all freeze in absolute terror. The Rex outside gurgles making maternal cooing noises. The baby Rex, calm for, for the first time, gurgles back. But across the trailer, in the opposite window, another T-Rex head suddenly appears. This one roars deeply, a roars so low and loud it rattles anything in the trailer that isn't tied down.
0: What do they want? What do you think they want?
1: That's impossible!
2: They can't have the accessory equipment to drag it all the way here!
0: Current evidence seems to be to the contrary, wouldn't you say? Give it to them!
1: Nick, hands shaking, grabs the shoulder video camera he used earlier. He whips out the cassette that's in there, hurls it into an open duffel bag with a half dozen others, slams a fresh cassette in and flicks the on switch. Sarah and Malcolm, meanwhile, hurry to the other end of the trailer, carrying the baby Rex. Outside, the two adult Rexes stay with them, walking in the same direction, watching them through the window. External trailer, night. Seen from outside, the light inside the trailer clearly illuminates Sarah and Malcolm as they carry the baby Rex. The adult rexes, tower over the trailer, twice as tall and nearly as long. They walk slowly alongside it, hunched over, watching their infant. Internal trailer, night. At the door to the trailer, Sarah unmuzzles the frantic baby. Ready? Malcolm reaches for the door handle. Wait. He dives down on the floor under them, pointing the video camera up at the door getting the best shot. Malcolm takes a breath, turns the knob, and throws open the door. Outside, the enormous rex heads pause for a moment, staring surprised. Although terrified, Sarah actually starts to sing, softly.
2: One free, as free as the window blows, as free as the grass grows.
0: Are you insane?
2: So you the god it works with lions sometimes. There we are.
1: Your baby's free. The baby, excited, wriggles free of them and lands on the ground outside. Not wasting a second, Malcolm slams the door shut. The three of them freeze, not daring to breathe. Outside, they can hear the snuffling and cooing of the animals as they inspect their young. And then the soft thud of their footsteps growing fainter as they move away. From the wall, Eddie's voice comes over the radio, relieved. They are going back into the jungle!